Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, I'm Bela Seabrow, and welcome to The Definitive Rap. Thank you to Vin News for hosting our show. The Definitive Rap has a worldwide audience, and we have correspondents throughout the globe. We are lucky and honored to have with us today our brilliant Israeli correspondent, Barry Shaw, from Israel Senior Fellow at the Israel Institute for Strategic Studies. Barry regularly contributes to various media outlets, including the Jerusalem Post, and is a frequent speaker at conferences and pro-Israel advocacy events. Barry Shaw has been a staunch defender of Israel in the public diplomacy arena for decades and has initiated the creation of several pro-Israel grassroots groups. He has a keen following of tens of thousands of people globally and is the author of Israel Reclaiming the Narrative, Fighting Hamas, BDS, and anti-Semitism, and his most recent book, BDS for Idiots, employs ridicule as the new method of countering BDS activists and disclaiming their slander against Israel with facts and humor. We have so much to talk about today in just a short amount of time, so we will get right to it. With news changing daily these days, specifically about the Russia-Ukraine crisis and how NATO and the U.S. have handled or mishandled it, and the consequence of which will leave Israel to deal with the Iranian nuclear proxy threat. Barry has breaking news for us and a couple of scoops that will be stunning information. Barry, welcome back again. Mila, thank you for having me. Barry, for our audience that has not been following the news, what is the war between Russia and Ukraine about? And what is the potential danger to the U.S. and this huge rush to complete the Iranian negotiations by March 1st? And also, from, from an Israeli strategic perspective, how does it negatively affect Israel? Barry, the floor is yours. Right. Well, I'm going to take you and your uh, viewers on a bit of a ride. And your viewers can either keep replaying this video because I can give you a lot of unknown information uh that uh well or even little known information that uh, i think your viewers might understand how it taints the way that we see things please so, educate I mean, our audience yeah okay so i'm going to give you a strategic intelligence assessment of how certain what i would call corrupt politics in america is becoming an existential threat for israel that's a bit of a harsh statement but i'll uh i'll let you know as i go on now i've got a bunch of papers here because i'm going to read a lot of statements and a lot of facts and i don't want to miss anything or get anything wrong so all the news at the time of this show is really about russia and uh, ukraine um now i'd say israel really don't have a skin in the game except that uh, a few days ago 86 ukrainian jews just made aliyah and uh, hundreds of more are going to expect him to follow as Ukraine is under threat from uh, Russia, of course. Um, and we also need to keep, uh, so as Israel is concerned, Israel, uh, Russia calm 
as we go after the Iranian deadly weapons in Syria, for instance, and uh, we have to avoid both uh, Russian uh, radar and Russia fighter planes as we uh, take out uh, Iranian uh, weapon storage and uh, uh, forward bases on Israel's border, eastern border over there. Uh, but I want to start off when we're talking about Ukraine. I want to give you a little bit of a history about personal baggage of top Democrats when it comes to the Ukraine. Um, the Biden family is pulling in about a million dollars a year out of the Ukraine through Hunter and James Biden, uh, with 10% going to the boss, according to all the uh, uh, things that's coming out in certain books and, uh, and uh, newspaper articles. Uh, remember the video, Bueller, of... Uh, Joe Biden boasting about how he flew to Ukraine and threatened the president that uh, he, they wouldn't get a billion dollars of uh, American uh, money if they didn't fire the anti-corruption uh, prosecutor who was investigating the corrupt uh, uh, energy company that uh, had his uh, son on board. Um, he went there as an anti-corruption vice president to get his son off the hock for being corrupt. But it doesn't stop with Biden. Nancy Pelosi. Now you would say, what's Nancy Pelosi going to do with Ukraine? Nancy Pelosi has received lots of money from a Ukrainian weapons dealer called Igor Pasternak, who has, uh, has a huge mansion in the United States, where he hosts fundraising events for Nancy Pelosi and has Nancy Pelosi as his guest there. Uh, so she's in the pocket of uh, the Ukrainians as well, or vice versa. Uh, now, there's a lot of talk about uh, uh, with the Durham report about uh, spying on Trump. But Pelosi herself is a close friend of the Ukrainian family called the Chalupa family. Uh, look up the name Alexandra Chalupa, and you will see that uh, Pelosi employed hers and a couple of other women, Ukrainian women, on her staff. One of them was Ivana Voronovich, who tried to dig up dirt for Trump as well. So uh, when that the, the pre-election things were going on, and even after the election, Nancy Pelosi also, not just Hillary Clinton, was involved in the digging up dirt, and she she was doing it through the, um, the Ukrainian connection. Um, let's go on. Remember Alexander Vindman. Alexander Vindman was a former director of European Affairs for the United States uh, Security Council. And he appeared before the House Committee investigating Trump's tie to Russia. Of course, these non-existent Trump ties to Russia. But Vindman was born in Ukraine. And this narcissist, if you remember, at the House Committee boasted that being offered the role of uh, the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense, if you should ever leave uh, the United States. So there's another connection with the House Committee that was ganging up on Trump, but richly deeply in the pocket of Ukraine as well. Um, so this is part of the intimate political corruption between leading uh, Democrats and the Ukraine as they tried to stick it at that time into Donald Trump. Now, I predict a couple of things uh, coming out of the current predicament with uh, the Ukraine. Uh, in my opinion, Biden and the Democrats will put the blame of higher gas and energy prices onto Putin as they head into the midterm election campaign, uh, hoping that the Americans will forget how prices have skyrocketed, you know, as a... Uh, uh, because uh, even before the Ukrainian crisis, and they were hoping for the national memory loss by American voters, and they will, you, you will see them, you will use Putin in the coming months as their fall guy to cover up for their bad 
business uh, 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 Biden uh, business plump uh, uh, policies when it comes to oil. Um, but getting back to my point about the Afghan effect and how it leads to grave concerns in the democratic world, particularly Israel. Now, I'll put it this way. Uh, Bila, I saw a cartoon the other day recently that really summed up where we are in world affairs. Uh, and this cartoon showed Biden as a waiter in a restaurant with the bones of the Afghanistan chicken on the floor. And Putin is waiting to be served by, uh, by, uh, 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 by uh, Putin, who's waiting at a table in his menu. The menu is the Ukraine. So after serving uh, uh, Putin, waiting at another table is Xi and China. And on Xi's menu is Taiwan. And waiting in the background is Kim Jong-un, who is smiling at the waiter, and on his menu is written South Korea. And waiting at the, the fourth table is the Iranian president, Ibrahim Raisi, with Israel written on his menu. The moral of that cartoon is that the world sees, and this one's an American cartoon, the world sees Biden as a waiter serving dictators and offering what they want on their menu. We saw it with Afghanistan. We've seen it with Putin. Believe me, the dictators are watching what's happened. I guarantee that by my birthday in June, after the uh, Chinese Winter Olympics, you will see China make a move on Taiwan because they look at the waiter and the waiter is going to be there to serve them the meal that they want. And at the end of the day, they'll be serving Iran. Uh, let's get to the state of play of Israel's position in the current uh, uh, nuclear negotiations, okay? And I'm going to give you a perspective you've probably never heard before. Look, a sign of recent obvious Israeli desperation has been so Israeli Foreign Minister Yair Lapid, who this week has been Gaza. urging leaders of uh, American Jewish community who have been here in Israel to lobby their own United States administration, not against entering into a shorter, weaker deal. We've already given up on that, but rather against declassifying Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terrorist organization. What Israel is asking now is for this addition to be put in the upcoming nuclear deal. The Biden administration is so desperate for a quick deal that they're prepared to decouple Israel's malevolent actions, Iran's, sorry, uh, malevolent act, act, actions in the, throughout the Middle East by not agreeing to include Iranian military and terrorist threat in Yemen, Lebanon, Gaza, Iraq, Syria, and against the Gulf states that we have the Abram Accord with now, Saudi Arabia, and of course, against Israel on various fronts. This has been left out of the new upcoming nuclear deal. And if a nuclear bomb isn't going to destroy us, maybe 200,000 rockets aiming at us fired simultaneously from Gaza, from Lebanon, and from Syria. That might happen, and that might be the next danger to Israel. As Yair Lapid said, I'm going to quote him here, everybody in their right mind should talk to the administration about this and tell them this is just wrong. Bila. This is deeply worrying to Israel. 
Now, the Israeli prime minister said that Israel will never accept Iran as a nuclear threshold state. And Benjamin Netanyahu said that this new deal is even worse than the last one. And I'm going to go into some of the details like that you and your viewers are going to be shocked with. This is the only issue that both the former prime minister, Bibi, and the current prime minister, Natalie Bennett, agree on. They haven't agreed on anything with regard to Israeli policy on anything except this. So you can see that Israel is united against this upcoming deal. Now, Bibi echoed Lapid in calling on the United States Jewish community. He also spoke to them to put real pressure on the current administration. And he told the visiting representatives from these Jewish organizations in Jerusalem that Iranian marriage between the nuclear weapons and militant Islam is the greatest danger that the world faces, not just Israel, the world. Now, both, both Lapid and Bibi separately told the American leaders, and I'm telling you this is the deal, now that the State Department and Biden are trying to spin it, ultimately whitewash Iran, giving them a, what we call over here a kosher seal of international approval to develop its nuclear weapons while still threatening its neighbors in the region, particularly, as I said before, Israel, Saudi Arabia, and the Gulf states. Oh, you want me to carry on? I, I, if you're in shock, I, 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 I could am, go deeper into shock. I am incredibly shocked. Now, Barry, what's the... Go ahead, I'm go ahead. sorry. No, I, I was going to say the State Department spokesperson said, and I quote, we believe that democracy alongside coordination with our allies in the region is the best way to achieve our goal. Which wasn't reassuring. It was a vacuously incorrect statement. Why? There is no clear coordination with Israel because they're not listening to what Israel is telling them. There is part of the danger. There may be coordination between them sitting with the Iranians in a hotel in Vienna, but none of them will be critically impacted, as Israel will be, from this new bad deal. And as Israel is watching the fumbling ineffectiveness of American falling policy in facing down the, Talib, uh, the Taliban terrorists in, uh, in uh, Afghanistan and the dictators, and now Putin, we are increasingly aware that we are alone in dealing with the Iranian threat. Oh, wow. Barry, the gas prices have gone through the roof. And President Biden acknowledged that U.S. prices may keep rising due to the sanctions on Russia. He is quoted as saying, defending freedom will have costs for us. What do you think about that? Uh, again, I want to repeat to your viewers and that your, your viewers in America must know about this. To ask, you tell me what's happening to your gas prices now. What's happened to your gas prices since Biden went into the White House over a year ago? So, as I said, when, we're, when you're coming into your midterm election campaign cycle, the message they will be pumping out, it's all because of, of Putin. They'll have you forget where you are at right now. 
right? And, and quite frankly, Biden's foreign policy has only made the position worse. It's not got anything to do with Putin. It's the way you conduct foreign policy over there. And, and prior to that, the way you conduct your own domestic policy. They're the reasons your prices are going up. Barry, would you say that Biden's sanctions on Putin will backfire? More actions on Russia's currency and the ruble. <laughs> Biden's sanctions on who? What? Uh, let me give you one example about sanctions. Uh, I want to tell you something that uh, that I got scribbled down on here because I picked this up about half an hour before I came on air. And I'll read it to you verbatim. Biden's sanctions against Russia may rebound in his face. Consider this. This is something I found out about an hour ago. Boeing. You've heard the company Boeing? Of course. That famous American company. It's essential to the United States military corp, uh, corporation. And also it spends on uh, its planes, uh, the military planes, commercial planes, and also the space projects. Boy, uh, 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 Boeing spends approximately roughly $9 billion every 10 years on what? Russian titanium. Now, if Biden is going to impose a sanction on Russia, I predict that, Russia, that Putin will impose a sanction on America. He will say, screw you, pardon my expression, with our Russian titanium. I'm going to supply our Russian titanium with China to North Korea, maybe even to Iran. So you want to sanction me, I'll sanction you. So there is now a danger that Putin might counter-sanction the United States. And in one example only, Boeing, that America is going to suffer in both the delivery of its essential, not just uh, commercial planes, but its military planes, military equipment, and also space equipment. So if Biden thinks he's clever, you know, putting the sanctions on Putin, he's probably going to find that Putin is not an idiot. He will counter, uh, counter with them with Russian sanctions because titanium is a very rare material and he's right. got a whole market to go at. Right, right. Barry, on a positive note, there is big news from Israel that beginning March 1st, all tourists will be allowed to enter Israel, even if unvaccinated. Uh, what do you think is the cause of this turn of events? Well, I have to tell you that Israel is both the most vaccinated country in the world and Parata the most infected country in the world. So we are as uh, uh, pessimistic and critical of the way that the uh, mandates and things have been conducted over here. I, for many years, going back uh, to whoa, the beginning of the 20, I guess, uh, was, was putting out a lot of information about what was happening here, what was happening there in the States and other countries as well. I think uh, in the future, looking back, one of the biggest crimes we were going to talk about, uh, the, the COVID pandemic, was the total ban of allowing any early stage uh, treatments for, for COVID. I think that killed more people than even the, 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 the infection itself because people were prevented from getting early stage treatment and the doctors and the physicians that were trying to prescribe this were uh, demeaned, slandered, whatever. 
Um, but right now, a, although we have a, a daily infection rate of about 10, 12,000 right now, the, the seriously ill are down to about 200. And uh, there's been a protest. We had our uh, equivalent, civilian equivalent of the Canadian truckers demonstration uh, that blocked the roads to Jerusalem a few days ago, uh, just to show the sort of the protest. I think you're going to have one heading for Washington sometime soon. Uh, but I think it made the Israeli government take notice, and they've said that uh, they're stopping all the, uh, the restrictions by the 1st of uh, May, and they're allowing flights uh, both into Israel and out. Right. That's, that's amazing news for people who've been trying to get to Israel for, uh, since the beginning of COVID. Um, our last question, um, there is a major conversion controversy going on in Israel right now. Uh, can you tell us about that? Uh, that is uh, still going on. There are two uh, voices to the controversy. The Israeli government wants a more uh, all-inclusive uh, uh, policy towards this. There's certainly um, uh, objections by the uh, orthodox uh, religious community, but things are changing over here because things are changing with regard to marriage. Uh, there's talk now of uh, allowing certain civilian marriages because up till now, people who wanted, didn't want to have an orthodox uh, wedding, for instance, usually flew off to uh, the Cyprus and to do that. I've also been very active for many years in what we call the Anusim studies, and this is to uh, get a lot of the the, the uh, forgotten Jews. These are the Jews, the lost Jews of the Spanish and Portuguese Inquisition that were, um, uh, that's another chapter for, uh, for another program, fascinating one, who were uh, expelled from Spain and Portugal or fled from Spain and Portugal in the 15th, 16th century in order to places like Central South America and, and other places. And they secretly, they lived in Catholic communities for for centuries but uh but maintained jewish uh, customs at home while openly behaving as if they were catholic and now a lot of these people uh, because of internet and everything are finding they have sort of strange family customs which were jewish customs like your candles on a friday uh the way they clean the house uh, uh other hygienic uh, sort of things and they find out they are in fact jewish customs and then they uh find out that they have jewish roots and they want to re-engage to their jewish heritage now I had a, a, a Knesset forum in order to allow the, the, these people to come to Israel and go through a conversion uh, process. But at that time, we were banned by the, again, the religious authorities, the Rabbanote over here. And we're still fighting that battle because uh, when some people take to me, where's the next wave of Aliyah coming from? It's not just from Ukraine, for instance, mm -hmm. where there's persecution. I think the next gray wave are what we call the lost Jews, the ones that want to retrace their family traditions and steps and come back to, to Judaism. Right. So, but, th but there seems to be more controversy going on more recently than, than in the past. I mean, I, I know it's an ongoing situation, but it seems that uh, more recently it, it's been on the news. It's being spoken about more. It's certainly yeah. being discussed in the press and in the uh, in the Knesset uh, over here as well. Um, and uh, moves are taking place. It's a sensitive issue, uh, but I think it'll it'll be solved. I think uh, people from other denominations, Jewish denominations, certainly have a place over here, uh, and we're finding that. In, 
And we need it because uh, in my advocacy for Israel, I don't only be, be talking to the Orthodox Jews. I think some of the people in America who have sort of lost their way, in my opinion, when it comes to affirmative Jewishness and affirmative Zionism, right. of those who have drifted both into, let's say, conservative and reform, and then out of the Jewish religion completely. And I think uh, it, it's uh, important for us to re-engage these people so that they should learn more and become more affirmatively Jewish and affirmatively Zionistic. Right. So I know what's going on in the U.S. in terms of how uh, the civilians in the U.S. are reacting to everything that's going on, but what is the climate amongst people uh, in Israel right now with everything going on? Uh, with Russia, Ukraine... Uh, the conversion controversy, uh, 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 opening up to tourists who are unvaccinated. There's just a lot happening all all at once. Well, the the biggest threat over our heads right now, I I suppose, that that, uh, really keeps uh, uh, people uh, awake at night is the the Iranian threat, because uh, it's not, Iranians isn't over there somewhere. They have their proxies surrounding Israel across our northern border, across our eastern border, across our southern border. Uh, And the fight is on. We're fully behind the government about trying to stop this deal. Now, I want to tell you one final thing. I I asked this question. Why is it in the last week suddenly we find that America is in an awful rush to get this Iranian deal signed quickly? Yeah, what's I, behind I asked that? that question at the beginning? Yes. Right. Okay. And I'll and I'll tell you what the reason is. And it, and again, it should shock, but probably not surprise your viewers. The reason, the reason to do this, and they want to do this within the next few days, before the first of March, for one reason. What's so special about the first of March? Yeah. That is the day, the President Biden goes and gives his State of the Nation address. And Biden is desperate to give them some, what he would say, positive news. I have signed the new deal, nuclear deal with Iran. Hmm. I have been the savior. And what's been happening is behind the scenes, this is being rushed. I don't know if you're, this is some other surprising, shocking news. Let me tell you some of the things that they've been agreeing behind the scenes, right? Biden is poised to give Tehran $12 billion at least in cash. But with the other payments he's going to give them, it's going to come to a figure I've heard of $27 billion. Now, we remember the bad Obama deal where he gave the Iranians $127 billion in order to please sign the deal. Biden is doing exactly that. Now, let me tell you something else that's been agreed behind the scenes. And and let me put it this way. The person responsible for this is not only Antony Blinken, it's Robert Malley, who is the U.S. uh, coordinator with Iran. So although in the hotel in Vienna... What you have a situation there is the Iranians are sitting in a room with the other European and Russian, whatever, negotiators, and the United States aren't in that room. They're surrounding somewhere else. The reason they're doing that is because Iran demanded that. 
So the Iranians and the Americans are not sitting in the same room. But behind the scenes, Robert Malley is meeting the Iranians and they're agreeing the sort of the demands that, that Iran is demanding. One, that they get $27 billion. And I can tell you half of this is going to go to the Republican Guards for, for their Middle Eastern campaign around the, the Middle East. Uh, and the other things that are going to be agreed is that you're going to be hearing about a release of at least four Westerners held in Iranian jails. At least one of them will be American. So Biden will spout this as, look at me from the, on this presentation. I arranged the release of this uh, American from an Iranian jail. And all the Democrats are going to applaud him like a savior. But what you won't hear is about at least 12 Iranians that will be released from American jails and thrown to Iran because they were spying on America. Now, this is all the dirty dealings behind the scene, but obviously right. it's going to portray by the applauding Democrats is a great historic foreign policy success of President Biden. Now, I just want you to know what's going on behind the things. I'm talking about the things they will not talk about. And I doubt whether CNN and MSNBC and these sort of people will even mention these sort of things, like they downplay everything. But I'm giving you the straight deals of what's going on. And the things that are missing is only, not only that, but the intentions of Iran will not be quenched because the, the time frame will not be uh, extended very far where Iran will become a nuclear threshold state. And this is what Israel has to deal with in the absence of uh, this. So don't be fooled by the false uh, narratives you may hear if this deal gets to be signed in the next few days before March the 1st. Wow. Wow. This is now, now how is that? How is that a promised. scoop? How is that a scoop for you and uh, for the uh, definite rap? Thank you so much, Barry. <laughs> thank you for joining us today all the way from Israel. Thank you to Vin News and thank you to our audience for tuning in. Stay safe. Shalom. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Rap with your host, Bela Seabrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Rap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Rap.